Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today's guests, Jay and Steph Rose, are the powerhouse couple behind Phase 6, a fitness media brand that's focused on athletic performance, education, entertainment, and content creation. Fueled by a vision and what little savings they had, two immigrants embarked on a six-month journey across the U.S. to absorb as much knowledge as they possibly could from leading experts in the world of fitness. This adventure became the foundation for a global multimedia company. At the core of their success lies the Phase 6 Content Dojo in Austin, Texas. This is a state-of-the-art multimedia hub that transcends traditional fitness spaces and gym models, merging cinematic quality content with social media engagement and the home for many fitness creators. In today's episode, you'll learn Jay and Steph's inspiring entrepreneurial story and how they built a global fitness media brand with over 2 million followers. You'll learn the common pitfalls that lead most businesses to failure and the secret to building a strong relationship that stands the test of time, including how Jay and Steph both empowered each other to create a business and life that they both love. That and much more. One more thing before we get to today's interview. I've got something special for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. Jay and Steph are giving away a ton of health and fitness resources. You'll get access to their library of ebooks, including their mobility training guide, their nutrition guide, and their anti-inflammatory food list, and two guides on kettlebell form and technique. To get access to this gift, visit lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash 172. Thanks for listening, and without further delay, my conversation with Jay and Steph Rose. What's up, guys? So great to have you on the show. Thanks for having us, Justin. Good to see you. Yeah, this is so fun. Well, it's very rare that I have an episode where I have two people on at the same time. I think I've only done it once before with Chris and Rob Taylor, which is a really fun episode, kind of contrasting bootstrapping to venture capital and what ways best to kind of start a business. And for those of you that haven't checked that out, check it out. It's a cool story, but I'm going to just spoil it for you. For their story, it basically showed up the same. Each of them had an exit. Each of them had different valuations, but their take home was within just a handful of dollars of each other, which is pretty crazy. So it's fun having you both on. It's a blast. Uh, you know, for me, it's it's so cool having friends that I work out with that I think are just epic at what they do and get a chance to showcase you and showcase your work. And so I'm I'm thrilled. We've been talking about this for months. So uh, let's go. Yeah, for a long time. It's, it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, as you know, Steph and I are always joined at the hip anyway. Sometimes we get confused as one person. I think Steph's even being, she's not even Steph anymore. It's like, it's, it's, like Rose. it's she's being called Rose because it's Jay and Rose instead of, Rose. instead of Steph and Jay Rose. So. <laughs> We are two individual people. That's great imagery for you, Steph. That's nice. That works for (laughs) you. Yeah. Well, for those of you that don't know Jay and Steph, these two are freak athletes that are doing amazing things in the gym. I have the privilege of watching them and basically staring in awe, hoping that one day I'll be able to do the things that they're able to do. So uh, you set quite the example. I appreciate that. Oh, That's thank very you, kind. Thank well, you. It's it's always good seeing you in there. Like uh, when we met, I think you just you just started. And um, watching your your progress as well has been incredible because um, you have a an incredible amount of dedication and discipline, you know, in, in what you're doing in the gym. And, and we ourselves have noticed the the progress within mm-hmm. you. So it's it's a really cool place to be to match those types of energy levels. I feel like it makes us better as well. 
Well, I appreciate that. That's uh, super kind to you guys. And, you know, it, it is fun when you can see the progress, right? So for me, I generally walk around as a pretty thin guy. So I've got to work really hard to put on muscle. And so this has been great working out with, you know, an elite trainer. I mean, this is <laughs> the guy I'm working out with, Rain. I, I should have him on the podcast sometime. You should. Yeah, for sure. That's when you know you're doing something. Well, that person's doing something right because um, you really notice the progress with Rain. And, and Rain walks the walk and talks the talk. You know what I mean? He does exactly what, what he does. There's no, there's no gimmicks or anything like that. He, he can lift, you know, a 200-pound elephant. Yeah, that man is big. He's legit. Well, it's uh, it's fun having people that also have really cool accents on the show. So, you know, you guys already sound so much more intelligent than most of my guests. Uh, you know, so I'd love to hear your guys story of like how you met and what brought you to the US because, you know, Jay, you're from Australia originally, right down under. And Steph, you're from the UK originally. And you guys met somewhere in your travels and then decided, hey, we're just going to do this travel thing and this life thing together. So, yeah, tell us about all your travels. So we met in London, actually. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, I haven't lived in Australia for a long time. I was born there and then I ended up moving to London and working, you know, some retail and then some corporate work, office work and stuff. I, I started off in like admin and then worked my way up into corporate. It wasn't, as you can tell, it didn't really match who I am as a person. Yeah, um, if you're listening, not watching, Jay has this massive beard. I told him, I can actually see what you look like because you're not wearing your sunglasses or your hat. Right. Yes, it's usually just, it's, you can only see just about eyes. just here. My That's right. Rest is a hat and my, my uh, sunglasses and just beard. Lips. Massive yeah. beard. I was walking, working in corporate in this corporate job that basically was, they would tear down like poor areas and then build multi-million dollar apartments there that they were doing that across the board and it really didn't suit me i didn't didn't like the work but the reason i stayed in it is because i wanted to understand the language when speaking to corporate people so when i do transition into doing whatever i did i had that communication available to me so i was working in this place and it was it was not too far from a gym that i went to and i was i was pretty much just starting training then and then this one day i was looking out the window and i saw this gorgeous woman walking across the the parking lot and I, I was in awe and and she came up and I saw her I still remember what she was wearing creepily but um it's okay because we're together now so um well now it's romantic before yeah, yeah it's romantic it's not creepy anymore and um I remember telling the guy I was training with the only other guy who who I was working with who did you know, go to the gym. It's like I would do anything to be with that girl. So this was on like a Wednesday. And then the next time I see her, I'm going to have to speak to her. And I've never approached a woman before or anything like that, especially in a public public uh, situation. So it was a Friday and um, Steph came into the gym with her mom because her mom's a Pilates instructor and they used to work out together. So um, she was doing our thing and I, I was kind of finishing. So I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm going to wait downstairs because there was there was an area where you could have food and have drinks and just see if she comes down. And if she comes down, then I'm going to, you know, go and speak to her and introduce myself. So, of course, I'm sitting there and I'm getting down to like the last bit of my drink, just sipping it slowly to see if, you know, <laughs> this is going to happen. And, um, of course, Steph comes down with her mom and, and they sit at the table like opposite me. And um, even more intimidating to yeah. go up to her with her mom there. Exactly. And Get it over and done with. The, the thing was, all I could hear in my head was that uh, – I don't want to pronounce it. It's like carpe diem. It's like seize the moment. That's all that kept on playing in my head. I was like, okay, I've got to do it. So I went over and I, I kind of, I had, I ha actually have a fractured tailbone and I kind of used that as a thing of like, oh, I really need some core work done and everything like that. So I used that as a segue to get in um, to the conversation. <laughs> and then, you know, we were speaking and it was going really well. And then I just went, do you mind if I sit down? And before they could say yes, I sat down and we carried on speaking uh, to <laughs> Steph's, Steph and Steph's mom. The, the funny thing is, by the end of the conversation, I didn't end up leaving with Steph's number. I ended up leaving with Steph's mom's number um, for the Pilates <laughs> that I needed, you know. Uh, <laughs> So, hey, safe approach. I like that. Right. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, and, and Steph and her mom were, were really great and really welcoming. And it was just really nice to, to meet them. And then the Monday, I didn't see them over the weekend come in, but the Monday, Steph's mom came in without Steph. So then my, my cover was blown because I went up to him and mentioned about the Pilates again. But then I was like, so um, where's Steph? <laughs> and that's when, well. that's when Steph's mom knew that it wasn't anything to do with Pilates. I just wanted to, you know, meet Steph. So funnily enough, it's actually Steph that got my number through um, my mom. her mom. Our first date was training together in, in the gym. Well, that's very fitting. I yeah. love that. Right. But we, we were very, at the start of our, like, what you see now, we didn't have nearly as much knowledge then, but it was just a great connection. And and pretty much since that date, we've been together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That was eight years ago. Wow. That's awesome. And and Steph, did you have any idea what was happening? Did you think this was just a nice guy that wanted to talk or were you like, hmm. I mean, I kind of knew. <laughs> I had my suspicions, but then I didn't want to think that just in case that wasn't the case because that's super embarrassing so I just kind of <laughs> went along with it but um I remember leaving that dinner and I was really excited like I didn't oh, even know awesome. Jay but I was like he's really nice I love it well, that's so cool and you guys have been able to travel the world and and by the way we're going to talk about how you've built and scaled this huge media company and you guys have an incredible online presence and, and following on social media. So I want to get into that. But I love always learning about the story before it becomes the big thing that everyone knows. Sure. And so it, it wasn't always like you guys were rolling in the dough and everything was working. <laughs> I mean, generally, there's some growing pains. And I'd love to hear just some of the hardships as you built phase six. And then we can transition into all the cool stuff you're doing today, the brands you're partnered with, the epic work that you're doing, the cool dojo that you just built here in Austin. I mean, there's so much to talk about, but let's hear about like the early days. After we'd met, we realized that we wanted to spend like every day together and our current employment situation wouldn't allow that. So, And it was also just not something that we wanted to do. We were also in the UK and we realized that we really didn't want to live there it wasn't a place we wanted to, you know, settle down or buy a house or, or even attempt to buy a house there, you know, the weather's crap and all that kind of stuff. So the plan was I ended up mutually parting ways with the, the company that I was with. And, you know, once I did that, Steph I decided she, oh, she nice. would do that as well. It's comical even thinking about you working in corporate America. I mean, knowing you, knowing like yeah, how you walk to the beat of your own drum. I mean, it is very funny to think about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's interesting as well, because I really wanted to do like I wanted to get in that department of like advertising and marketing, but they wouldn't allow me to do it because I didn't have like a degree. Yeah, I didn't have a degree and they wouldn't allow me to do it. So it's interesting now seeing as I uh, Steph and I handle all the marketing and you know, <laughs> yeah. everything else we do, is, <laughs> we were denied that back then because of like a, a, a piece of paper, you know. Um, That's funny. The, so, the piece of paper that it has become more and more irrelevant every single day we're alive. Right. Exactly. So we ended up deciding to move to Australia and because we were both unemployed, we didn't actually have any money to move to Australia. So we decided to, uh, Steph got a loan out of about 5,000 pounds. So like 6,500 yeah. US dollars, I think. So, but at that time, it's like it was, 600. Yeah, you could have said 600,000. <laughs> That's how much we thought we had. So we decided on the way to Australia, we'd stop in Thailand and Bali and then we'd get to Australia, you know, to break up the trip and enjoy ourselves. And uh, by the time we got to Australia, we didn't have any money left. <laughs> so we, we had about enough for one week's rent in this place that we stayed at in the Sunshine Coast. Fortunately, we made really good friends with the the owner of this, like, uh, it's like temporary accommodation like, for vacations, yeah, basically. Vacation so it's like apartment buildings, but only for vacations. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, she managed to get us into a place that was um, a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper and, and more permanent. But we we could we didn't want to go back into like the rat race of finding a normal job, so we decided to you know earn money for ourselves. And this was the first time that we'd we'd gone down that route of being like in entrepreneurship, basically. It's I think it started with the woman who we had made friends with for the apartment complexes, she needed a website made for their company. And I was like, oh, you know, I just made one for us 
just playing around. Let me do one for you. And she was like, yeah, sure. 3000 Australian dollars. Good for you. I was like, yeah, that's great. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> I just made like this website for her. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I took over the, and, and we'd build up a passion for, you know, social media and marketing and all that type of stuff. So we we were learning, but mm-hmm. we would never have thought that we'd start getting paid for that type of stuff straight away. But again, it wasn't <laughs> the stuff that we wanted to do. And then on the side of that, to make some extra cash, I started Ubering, but then I didn't like that the cut was being taken from Uber because I would Uber for hours and the car that I was renting, it would only pay off the car that I was renting because it had to be a certain type of car to work with Uber. So what I would do is I would Uber and then collect clients from Uber and then convert them over to my private car hire company. <laughs> and then they would just call me whenever they needed a ride. And Smart. then Steph, Steph started a, a raw cake, cake company. company that was like gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. But she'd spend about six hours creating these awesome, they were awesome cookies and, and treats, but six hours for about 50 Australian dollars. <laughs> yeah. But the, the best part about it was, is that we were doing stuff for ourselves and we were earning money. And it, it was almost like a catalyst to, creating phase six because phase six wasn't even an idea then so we were doing that for a while and what we realized quickly was that we're still not pursuing our passion and our passion always came back to things like unconventional training strength and mobility all that type of stuff so i was like okay how how do we do that it took us around a few months to to figure out the name and this one day i was having a dream and all these like phases of six came into my into my head about athletic performance and just general stuff with physical strength and fitness. And I woke up from it and I Steph was awake and I was like, I just had this weird dream of all these phases of six. And Steph was like, that's it, phase six. So then we developed the logo and everything like that, which I can go into mass detail exactly why the logo <laughs> is that way. And it's very personal to us. When you see the logo, it isn't just a logo that that's created from our soul, basically, is every single part of it has a meaning to us, but we just wanted something bold and iconic, something in the same way of like a Harley Davidson logo or something like that, you know, nothing um, simplistic. It just mm-hmm. needed to be really in your face, almost punk rock style, you know, um, I love old, it. old school rock and roll. Do you love the podcast and the book and wonder what the next steps should be on your lifestyle investor journey? For a limited time, my team is doing free, personalized consultation calls to learn more about your goals and determine which of our courses or masterminds will help you get to the next level. Whether that's to make your first investment or to create your first income stream of passive income, or whether that's to achieve ultimate financial freedom. If you'd like to reserve a spot, Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation to book a free strategy session while they're still available. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. And this is, so you're still in Australia at this time, right? And and by the way, I love that you guys took a stop in Bali because that's where I proposed to my wife. Oh, amazing. Uh, So we love Bali. We had an epic trip there and to Singapore. And I mean, that whole part of the world is is so fun and so cool. And I feel like most people have never been. I just want to, you know, highly recommend that people check it out. We've stayed on both sides of the island. It's really cool. And and they're really advanced in things like sugar-free, dairy-free food. Yeah. And and that probably bodes really well for you, Steph, because you do a lot of nutritional therapy. At least that was kind of like like the foundation of, of how you began some of your work, right? Right. Yeah. So um just quickly going back to London, I that's where I got the diploma for nutritional therapy. So it was like a three year intensive kind of course for adults and it included like one year of biomedicine as well. So that was like my my foundation. I went away from that thinking that I wanted to be a nutritional therapist and like see people one-on-one. So I tried doing that for a little bit, but it didn't, it didn't satisfy me because people wouldn't listen to what I was saying. (laughs) So I feel like I would go away and create these crazy plans that were really in depth and really wanting to help these people. And then they just wouldn't follow them. So I'd be like, Oh, okay. So I quickly realized (laughs) that that wasn't for me and that I had learned that for a reason. And that was to keep myself and Jay and the people I love around me healthy and be able to 
go about a day as best as we can. But um, it made me realize that I wanted to be more within movement. Yeah. So originally, I... like Jay had the idea of like being the mover and being like more of a coach type vibe, and I was going to be a nutritionist. But then we quickly scrapped that. Steph's passion was always with <laughs> the movement side of things. Yeah. Okay. Um, she really gravitated towards that. And and I think it wasn't just that they wouldn't listen. They would listen but not implement as well, right. which is which yeah. is the most frustrating. Thing. Yeah, was. you're like, I want to make change. I want to have impact. But people right. aren't doing what they say they're going to do. Like I, mm -hmm. I show them the path. Here it is. All you have to do are these things. And then people don't do it. That, and, yeah. and that's why that's why we stayed away from things like one-to-one -one sessions mm -hmm. and personal training, things like that, because we wanted it to be more based around education and entertainment. So... I've always had a mass love for cinema. We wanted to create a media company that, that was, was disguised as an athletic performance brand. So really focusing on cinematography and all the different things that are implemented. Take all this inspiration from cinema and movies, all these things I loved as a kid, and put that into an industry that isn't focusing on that. So when I was a kid, one of my first loves is is the United States of America. It's, it's the first thing I can remember as a kid. It's not like my first birthdays or, you know, my parents. It's literally being glued to a, a TV screen and watching. It was actually, I was obsessed with Ghostbusters as a child. And I remember just being nice. obsessed with the backdrop of New York City. So I would watch that every day. And sometimes I wouldn't even be watching the movie. I'd just be looking at the architecture and that quickly led on to discovering the concept behind the American dream. And once I discovered that concept when I was a really young child, I knew I had to get there because that's where I felt like I belonged. And Steph and I have been all over the world. And the reason we fought so hard to get here is, is that reason is this is the only place that we've ever felt like we belong. And the opportunities that happen here don't happen everywhere else in the world. It, it's, mm -hmm. it really is where dreams are made. We, we like to say we're, we're born in different countries, but we're made in the USA. Oh, I love that. And, you know, it's a great reminder for those of us that were born in the U.S. It's sometimes easy to take that for granted that we, you know, live in the land of the free and that you can become an entrepreneur. You know, I, I talk to people from different countries all the time who say, like, number one, you just can't go become an entrepreneur, especially depending on just simple things like, were you born uh, a man or a woman? Were you born in uh, countries that ha that are a little more strict on um, the religious side of things? There are so many things that are prohibitive and limit that opportunity, whereas here people can do it. And I just love that you guys have, you know, even in your backdrop there, an American flag, both being from another country, but, and by the way, living in other countries besides where you were born and traveling to many other countries beyond that and just seeing just how special the U.S. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, we say this all the time. If if a lot of the people who have complaints about the United States um, had to go through the immigration process to prove that they belong here, they would have a lot less to complain about <laughs> because it's like being on trial. You have to you have to prove that you belong here. And it's something I'm grateful for that we went through, yeah. um, which we, we can go into the details of exactly, you know, because that's kind of the story. But man, it's you just can't you can't beat this place. And you know, I even have the the American flag tattooed on me here when we first applied for our visa and got denied. But um, yeah, I mean, we, you're we telling me that wasn't good enough. I mean, I feel like you're really committed if you're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the government doesn't feel the same. It was to remind me every day of what our what our goal was, which was ultimately to live the American dream. Yeah, that's amazing. And it is something special that we get this opportunity to have a business or provide well for our family to you know have a home to like to live an incredible life but on our terms and i think some people become locked in a pattern locked in a routine sometimes they end up working for people or for a company that maybe served them at one point in time but doesn't anymore and sometimes it's hard to get away from that and escape that but recognizing that we do have that choice that power that freedom and the opportunities out there are pretty darn abundant and you know someone that that lives here sometimes they don't they don't take the massive action that 
that foreigners do where you see you see the other side of what it is where you're from or where you've lived and you come here and you say wow the opportunities are abundant and I'm going to go after it it's just such a common theme that I see with my friends that were born elsewhere that moved here I mean we always try to say whenever anyone asks us how we are you know like in the gym or anything like that the the response is living the dream because yeah. that just that just keeps it the main focal point even on bad everyone's got a bad day every, everyone's got a good day but regardless of of how you're feeling that day you are still well for us personally we're still living our dream yeah, super every dream. day mm. yeah and there's um, a mindset around that as well and you know I think if you are conditioning yourself to say that and think that you're going to live that and then I think you model what your values are really well, too, because you guys are always in the gym. You guys are always I see you at all the healthy restaurants, right? We, I mean, we run into each other uh, planned or unplanned all the time at Sun Life Organic. Shout out to Cleo Rafati. That place is amazing. Uh, he's a mutual friend of, of all of ours. And the well here in Austin is incredible. So shout out to Rich and Nicole. Yes. Love the well. Two Love the well. incredible places. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we're fortunate to have those types of places here in Austin as well. I mean, so that was, that was like the driving force be behind phase six back in, when we developed the concept in, in Australia, we knew we wanted to live in the United States. It was just figuring out the type of value we can bring in order for us to be approved. Cause you know, we knew we had to bring a substantial amount of value, but the problem was when we started phase six, we understood that we needed more knowledge as well. And unfortunately, the knowledge that we required isn't in Australia and it's it's definitely not in the UK. The most progressive and the best innovators and industry leaders are here. So we knew that we had to get to the United States somehow. So and also establish phase six perception wise as a US based company because we've we always felt like US-based companies get taken a little more seriously when they say something. It, it, it means whether people like to admit that or not, it, it is true. You know, and you can see that by certain types of brands trying to make it in the US and they fail. Mm -hmm. You know, big brands because it doesn't uh, it doesn't connect with the American culture. You know, right. yep. so. Well, and even uh, from an acquisition standpoint, you know, you see a lot more uh, US-based companies that are investing in or completely buying you know, companies like this, media companies, brands, right? So it gives you a lot more, not only ability to scale and grow, but the ability to have that nice exit at some point too, if you desire that. Exactly. And um, again, like we were just scraping by, but we did have like a little nest egg that we were saving for a deposit on a house that when we originally moved to Australia, we we're going to settle down and buy a house and, you know, have a whole bunch of dogs and everything like that. So we decided to invest that money. We, we worked out a budget of uh, a three-month trip around the United States. So the plan was to get to the United States, do a whole bunch of certifications to further our education, meet all the people who had inspired us. You know, because um, we, when we first started training together, and we discovered things like kettlebells, we dived deep into the rabbit hole of unconventional training, and we just wanted to meet all these people who were, of course, in the United States connect with them, you know, learn from them, absorb all the knowledge that they had, and then make it uniquely our own. So the plan was to invest this money into a three-month trip around the United States, do all that, shoot enough content for a year and a half because we figured that's how long it would probably take for our to get approved for a US visa. But also we would bring our videographer from Australia with us on the trip. Oh, that's so awesome. To document the entire trip and shoot the content as well. What a great opportunity for your videographer. Yeah, yeah he, he had that's a great awesome. time. And he'd never been out of Australia before. So, mm -hmm. you know, when he got to places like downtown Austin, it was a bit of a culture <laughs> shock to him. We landed in LA and then ended up in Austin and uh, eventually New York. We'd completely underestimated the budget. So we, we ended up leaving with New York literally with a dollar in our pocket. And we still have that same dollar bill. We actually had to borrow money to get a flight out before our ESTA visa expired, you know, the three-month visitor visa. So, uh, yeah, when, when we left... I was so depressed. It was a really depressing time. We, we got back to London. We stayed there for Christmas. 
and we knew we had to get back. So I think we left like end of November 2018. This was from uh, the beginning of October 2018 to the end of November 2018. Got back to London, had Christmas. Christmas in London is is not the best. It's very much still like a Christmas carol. It's it's dark and <laughs> yeah. gloomy. Yeah, uh, not I feel like, like it's that idea. most of the year. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but every time I've been there, I feel like it's it's dark and gloomy, cloud covered. Yeah, one one year we were there. I think the most sun that was there, which didn't go above like sixty degrees Fahrenheit, was was like two weeks combined in the whole year. And again, this was the during our time there was the first time that we'd ever felt like we'd belong somewhere. But then leaving a place you love so much and, and not being able to stay there was really hard for us. So in January, I think it was January 9th, we flew back 2019 and we did the same thing again, not with the same videographer this time, but we we just gained more knowledge, shot more content so we'd have it backed up. And, you know, we, we didn't have a credit card or anything like that. So the only way you could rent a car was through the airport on a debit card. And so we were having to... By trips there, like to different places, just because we wow. couldn't rent a car, which we couldn't afford. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> so wow. We're just doing these random trips yeah. to like LA and doing nothing in LA, really, because we as, couldn't do much. And as you know, you need a car Stupid. in Austin, you know. So that's right. <laughs> um, well, it makes you appreciate the simple things like having a credit card or just ha- having the having the means to be able to do stuff. I mean, I do remember the earlier days and you got to be scrappy. You got to be resourceful and uh, you're rewarded later for figuring that out. Some people aren't willing to take that chance. They're not willing to get that far out of their comfort zone where they're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I think if you do that, if you're willing to do that, you'll be rewarded. You'll Absolutely. figure yeah, it out. I mean, there was, there was many times and there's been many times throughout, you know, especially in the, in the first couple of years where, we always wanted to maintain a high quality of content. So we didn't want to shoot things on our phone. Uh, we wanted to always pay for o- the videographer. Always be we wanted, <laughs> Yeah, we, we wanted to establish that high quality cinematic experience. And obviously you need a videographer for that. So there was many times where Steph and I would have to choose between paying a videographer or eating that night. And that was many times in Austin and, and Australia and <laughs> LA. Sometimes something yeah. exciting would happen like let's go celebrate, you know, let's go get a meal, have a dinner out or or something like that. And then as we'd be in the restaurant, something would come out that we didn't realize would come out and then we couldn't pay. We'd have like a cent left in our, in our bank account and we couldn't pay (laughs) for the food. (laughs) So, but, but all, all that stuff is just like, like you said, it's, it builds like, um, or it builds character and resilience. Resilience. But also, like I thought it was important to mention that throughout this entire time, and there were like multiple times where stuff like this would happen, where majority of people would probably be like, I'm out. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. There was not one time where we looked at each other and were like, I don't think we should do this. Or do you think this is a good idea? Or shall we just try and go back to our old jobs? There was not one time and we didn't even have to discuss that. Like as a couple, we just kind of, we were both on exactly the same level. We both knew what we didn't want to do and we knew what we wanted to do. And we knew that we were on the right path because even though we encountered like these uncomfortable situations we were still in what i believe like a flow state with it like good things would happen to us a lot of the time Mm. and that would keep us like continuing pushing forward but we always like uh link up entrepreneurship with training because training martial arts and all those types of stuff they help you become comfortable in uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. It's, it's the nature of them especially with unconventional training strength and mobility and martial arts so that's something that really helped get through those really tough times it was just like this is just another uncomfortable situation that you have to get comfortable in and steph and i really live in one one extreme to the other there's like a old i think it's like in an old army symbol it's like victory or death and it has to be from one extreme to the other we we either have to be on the side of complete abundance or you know there is no mediocre no. middle ground for us you know it, ha- it has to be from one extreme to the other different ends of the spectrum so feast or famine the exactly popular phrase right yeah. yeah you guys lived it by the way i would also say most entrepreneurs have lived that 
I have lived that. I mean, if you really want to make it as an entrepreneur, and unfortunately, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that don't make it. And sometimes they're not willing to, you know, they don't have the grit to get through these uncomfortable hurdles. But there are very few entrepreneurs that they just come out with this idea and it takes off and it's great and there's no speed bumps. And, you know, most people develop that grit, that toughness, that thick outer shell. And uh, you go through a lot. You struggle. And, you know, when you don't have it, I I always feel like it's harder when you have it and lose it. Like I envision that I've never experienced having it and losing it. But I envision that would be tougher because you actually know what it feels like and tastes like. Because when you don't have it, you're striving to get it and you're okay with whatever the circumstances are to get there. Right. Yeah. I've heard of quite a few people who have had everything and then lost it, but then got it back multiple times. So maybe it's a thing of like, it makes them even more hungry because they're like, hang on, that belongs to me. Like, I'm going to go get it again. That's right. And there's muscle memory for that, right? That's why people who are very wealthy can go bankrupt and build it back way faster. Yeah. yeah and and, and the, fu- the funny thing about going through all that is that, like with anything, we don't fear that side of things because we we got through it regardless. So we we don't fear any of that, you know when we were going through that, we still had each other and, you know, we still loved each other. And ultimately, like, at the end of the day, that's all all that matters is that we love each other and we're happy together. And then everything else is just a bonus, you know, so the hard type of things just doesn't scare us anymore, which once you have no fear, anything's literally possible. And it's also going back to what you said about the mindset is like having that accountability on yourself that, oh, that went wrong because of something we did or, you know, something that we could have done better. So this has happened for the for the best, really. Like it means we need to go back, regroup and do it again better. So like when you have that kind of mindset, I think it's it's easier to push forward because, you know, you take accountability and you learn from your mistakes and just keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, and, and let's talk about like how you I mean, so basically your company has really scaled in just the last few years. And it probably is like a hockey stick where it took a long time for liftoff, but now all of a sudden it's on this trajectory that's just going to the moon. And I'd love to hear more about how you got that ramp up and present day, all the cool stuff that you're up to, because you guys are doing some really epic things right now. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, so yeah, I mean, that basically goes back to, you know, our, our second time in the United States in January till March, 2019, now, and again, we did New York, Austin, and LA, Austin, New York, and then left again. But during that time, we really decided, okay, we need to figure out how to get a US visa. So back in 2019, Austin wasn't as uh, sophisticated, I guess is the right word, as it is now. It was very, very, you know, uh, Texas. And there was no one from New York or LA or anything like that who'd you know, moved here yet. There was no like high level of immigration attorneys then. And all we really had was about $400 to spend. Actually, we didn't even have that, but we spent $400 <laughs> on an immigration attorney's advice. And she advised us to apply for a, a certain type of visa. Because again, like this was a relatively new concept. We were trying to explain it to a lawyer and, and going through all the lawyers now, we understand why they're confused. But because this is relatively like an, a new concept, that we were developing, they couldn't understand which visa that we were applying for or the ones we suggested they said was impossible for us to get, um, which the one we eventually did get approved for, many people told us, many lawyers told us it was impossible. So this immigration lawyer told us to apply for a B1 and B2 visa. And if you know anything about immigration uh, visas to the US, B1, B2 visas are are like just a tourist visa, but for business. So you can stay here for six months, but you can't earn money. And we didn't know that. So <laughs> um, we, we, we went back to London and we're, we're all hyped because right, we thought we'd doing, done all the right things. We, we, we got the, the advice from a lawyer. We went to the US consulate, applied for the B1 visa. And you know, we had workshops books, which were selling out. You know, we, we had workshops all across the United States that were selling out from phase six and we were showing you know the people behind the counter all, all this you know revenue we're generating really <laughs> proud of it because we're providing value to the country and uh they go sorry you've been denied and um, <laughs> we're like we're like why and they're like 
you can't earn money on this visa. So so we went back and obviously we're scrambling because, again, this is the only place we ever felt like we belonged. Mm -hmm. We knew that we belonged here and we wanted to get back there. This was just a hurdle. So we were like, it must be the B2 visa she mentioned. So we went next month, we applied for the B2 visa, denied again. So what happens with denials is once you get denied, a visa into the US, you're basically blacklisted from the country until you apply for the correct visa. Oh. And they couldn't tell us which visa because they're not lawyers that we applied for. So, um, you know, we were devastated. It, it, it was basically, you know, a good few months mourning, not understanding <laughs> yeah. why this was happening to us. And, you know, you can only connect the dots backwards. So we understand now why we were denied yes. at that time. But um, while we're trying to figure this out, we're like, right, how can we make the most of this situation into a positive? And the realization that we only needed one visa, you know, like everyone else in the US that we we were associated with, or they needed multiple visas to do things that like workshops or events mm-hmm. in Europe and Australia and everything else. So we're like, right, we'll just, we'll spread our philosophy to as many countries as we can in the meantime and figure this out. And then we'll get back to the US. So we launched our first ever program, which did really well. And that, that was the, I think it was July 9, 2019 was when we first, Steph looked at a bank account one morning and was like, we have money. And we we're like, what do you mean we have money? I was like, because <laughs> we haven't had money in so long. Um, like, is it real? And that really like put us in on the snowball effect of everything else that led up to like present day. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do a world tour of, of workshops and events. So we went to London, Italy, uh, and a whole tour of Australia. And this went from 2019 to, t- uh, March of 2020 and they all sold out and it was, it was a really good time. And then obviously the world lockdown, our last event was actually like, I think a week before, the whole world locked down. Oh, thank goodness you got that in. And we didn't really know, did we? We, we didn't know what was happening because we don't watch the news or anything. So one day we, and we lived in a place called the Sunshine Coast, which is a little surfer town. It's, it's, if anyone could go to the Sunshine Coast, it's like a paradise in Noosa and Coolin Beach. It's like heaven on earth. It's just unfortunately so far away from the rest of the world. <laughs> but if you ever want to reset, you go there. And it's a real small town. And we went to the supermarket and then suddenly all the, all the toilet paper was gone. It was like, that's weird. And then we walked down the other rail and all the flour and sugar is gone. It was like, that's really weird. It was like, oh, we'll just come back tomorrow <laughs> to get some toilet paper. And then it was like three weeks and there was still no toilet paper. Then there were signs saying like due to what the lockdowns, there's limited amounts of people can buy it. So we decided we we better find out what's going on. And, and that's how we found out. We didn't even we didn't even find out till like three weeks later something was happening. And um but fast forward. Yeah, so we managed to find a we we ended up like jumping around the world to avoid heavily locked down areas. So by July we'd left Australia and we went to London because there was a gray area of what the rules were. So we hosted a, another event at the Roger Gracie Academy in London. And then that started to lock down and um Mexico? Yeah, they were they were talk in, in the UK they were talking about canceling Christmas and everything like that and New Year's. So we went to Mexico. <laughs> and by Mexico we found a lawyer who believed in us and we eventually applied for an O one visa and that took from March and we were approved in January of, of twenty twenty two. But like I said before that, many people who we saw told us that getting an O-1 visa was impossible because Mm -hmm. this was for people like established entrepreneurs or athletes and things like that. So we basically had to build a case, basically like being on trial of establishing that we were a world-renowned brand and submitting that (laughs) and submitting that to um, the United States government. And we had people from the U S army, like writing us letters, like wanting us to be there. And, and a few other people that we know, we just resourced as many connections that we, we had at that time. And yeah. Th- and then we, we were here. It was, <laughs> it, it's kind of a weird experience because we'd built phase six up to being this world renowned brand, presenting it to the U S government to say they recognize us as a, uh, a world renowned brand as brand as well but then once you land in the u.s it's almost like ground zero again it's like what everything that you did doesn't matter because now we have to prove it to the citizens of the united states of america right you know what i mean so right and they don't know about your brand yet yes i mean fortunately you haven't been able to do any events in the u.s right so they 
few here and there obviously know us from social media and stuff, but nothing like the workshops and in person. And it was all very vague, scattered. Yeah. So, um, a bit like, as you said, you know, in, in that short, we got here, I think by the end of January, 2022. And, and in those two short years, we've grown our social media presence substantially from then. I mean, it was, it was quick before, but you know, our, our TikTok channels, just by using the formulas we've created and everything like that to create content and the way we shoot, we built our Instagram to a substantial amount of uh, audience members, but then we also did exactly the same on TikTok in six months of what we, even more to the, to the amount that we did like in four years, years yeah. Like four or five years. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and we're talking for you guys, it's millions of followers. You've got uh, multiple channels that have, like on a monthly basis, reached over 15 million views. So it's like, these are big numbers. Yeah, um, around 15 15 million views per month on, on separate channels. And we, we've got quite a few. There's Steph and myself's personal channels, you know, phase six, the the uh, fitness side of things. We just started phase six media Instagram and, and obviously the phase six content dojo as well. And Steph, myself and phase six is all on TikTok as well. And obviously the YouTube as well. So, you know, it's multiple channels and when we manage all that we ourselves, we don't have any outsourcing on that. So we handle all the posting and the, the script writing and the filming and everything like that. And, and that's what led us to working with high profile brands as well. More, we, we always wanted to be more than just, you know, like a ambassador for a company. We wanted to help with the inner workings of everything, because as I said, phase six is a fitness brand disguised as a media brand. That's the right way around, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> basically how like, you know, when McDonald's says, says it's not a, it's not part of the fast food industry. It's, it's, it's real estate. You know, it's a similar thing to that. Yeah, I love that. And and it's cool because you guys took your passion, which is fitness. You built a company around it, but you also took another passion, which is cinematography and photography and content creation. And you're able to build a separate business under the same umbrella, right? So kind of like two different structures. And then on top of it, which hopefully you talk about this now, is your content dojo, which is this world-class building with impeccable lighting at every angle <laughs> with, with a backdrop of color that is the right shade that allows you to pop out, whether you're wearing black or whatever. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered that. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so, so that... This is invite only. So I just want to make sure that people understand it's an exclusive group of people that actually make the cut. But tell us about it, because I, I would guarantee we've got listeners that probably would make the cut. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And basically was born out of a necessity. First off, we, we always wanted our own space to, to film at. So as I mentioned, we've been all around the world and, and we we're filming content in every country that we're being in it at that same time as well. But un unfortunately, and, and this is no fault to the locations, is that you're filming in gym. So you have to be... Um, Someone else's schedule. Yeah, you have to be understanding of the, like the members and, you know, shooting times and things like that. But it limits the amount of content you can create at one time and the volume you can create content as well. And, you know, we want to film a lot of content and you know, have the perfect lighting, like you mentioned. And, you know, sometimes you're in a place and the lighting isn't correct or the paint isn't right. So you do get drowned in the background and all these types of stuff. So it was kind of created out of a necessity for us to be able to elevate our content creation and bring more value through phase six um, to the world, but also provide a space for people who need to shoot that type of content as well, you know, because the content dojo basically the visual aspect of it is it's it's half like a, a functional unconventional training gym space so you know all the kettlebells squat racks olympic lifting deadlifts calisthenic rig all that stuff turf sleds but then the other side is a mma jiu-jitsu academy and it's it's the build out was done by by fuji mats who you know are world renowned for in the martial arts space but they're just transitioning into the the gym build out space as well mm -hmm. so I love it. And this is a massive space too, right? Like how big is this? Uh, 5,500, including the reception area. So about 5,000. Yeah. The content dojo is 5,000 square feet and it, it's just huge. And Large ceilings, high ceilings. The weird thing about, well, not weird, but the as you know, the construction was kind of quick. 
you know, it was only six weeks. Unbelievable. For a guy that waited for his home to be built for <laughs> over two years, a whole year longer than it was supposed to, I am blown away <laughs> that you're able to get this done in six weeks. Well, it's, and, and that comes, we're actually speaking to uh, one of the coaches at Collective about this yesterday is it just came down to preparation because as we were building, you know, phase six, I still have the drawing. It's it's in the drawer, but I drew out the floor plan with a Sharpie and a pencil of what we wanted this space to look like. And then we invested money that we actually shouldn't be investing in renders and floor plans, but just so we would have it, an actual visual yeah. representation of what we wanted to build. And it's 3D walkthrough. And yeah. if anyone ever asked us, like, what's the plan, we could visually show them rather than explaining. Mm -hmm. And I've shown you the renders and I've shown you the the end result and they're identical, you know, it, there's things in there that weren't even created yet that we've had customized built mm -hmm. by, you know, Fuji mats. So it took, you know, six weeks of construction, but it was actually four years of preparation. All we knew is we had to get to the U S and then we just had to fit our uh, dream into a space. We just had to find a blank canvas and, and that's what we found here in Austin. And, and there isn't any, in my opinion, any, any better place to do that in the mm -hmm. United States right now. 100%. And not only that, your location's incredible. I know I'm not allowed to say where it is because only people that get approved can actually get the address, but it's really close to me. And and um, I just, I think you're absolutely right. Austin is a special place. It is attracting, and you just have these people that are gravitating to this, to this ecosystem here that are entrepreneurs, investors, tech-minded people. You've got influencers. You just, it's, it's really the, the pull of Austin to grab these people from all these major markets all around the U.S. and the world is really incredible. So I agree. There's no better place you could have had it. And by the way, because of the success of, of Phase 6, because of being able to create content like you're able to do and now having a studio where you can create even better content and you can have others that want that high quality content come and rent it out and get to utilize it. You've also been able to strike some pretty awesome partnerships and do some deals with brands like Vivo uh, Barefoot and Hydro Flask, like some some pretty big brand names. You're, you guys have been able to become advisors for different companies like Noble, the, the protein mm -hmm. powder that uses you know, all the, you know, the, the parts of the body or the parts of the animal rather that most just kind of throw out and they'll use it, right? The spleen and everything all ground up into a powder that tastes really good. It really does. It really does. Especially <laughs> the chocolate. Those guys are incredible and extremely humble and, and they just want to connect. They're so selfless in, in just giving and, and they're just always a real joy to be around. They're very, yeah. very positive. They're very nice. Guys. I thought I was going to freak out my wife because that kind of stuff just, it's not the most appetizing sounding thing. And sometimes she could be a little, you know, skittish on that, but she had no problem. She's like, it tastes so good. I, I wouldn't have known. And I know that stuff's good for me. So it's a great way to disguise it. So I consume it. It's incredible. And working with all those brands was just being patient as well mm -hmm. with, with sticking to high quality content you know so all those all those hard times paid off and we've only ever worked in the past five years we've only worked with a handful of people because we focus on building long-term partnerships so with with vivo barefoot for example we talked to them for three and a half years maybe four years before we accepted any type of deal with them because when we first met them the shoes didn't work for what we did so we couldn't we couldn't authentically promote them. And I know the word authentically gets thrown around like a lot nowadays. Most uh, popular or important, it was the word of the year, right? For 2023. <laughs> yeah. Authenticity. So, that's funny. With, with Vivo Barefoot, it was more like we really need to test this out and make sure that it, it's something that we would be happy to share. And I think it was just before we were leaving for the US once our visa was approved that they took us to this gym in London and they had us sit down and they just hired all these guys from major conventional shoe companies like Nike, Adidas, you know, Vans, New Balance. And they'd all hired these guys to make it more stylish and functional as well. And they listened to us for a good few, like three or four hours about why their shoes weren't working for us you know, how it works with our fit, foot when we're doing the unconventional 
training movements and ground-based locomotion, strength and mobility movement patterns. And then they our, our relationship's grown even then. So it's more like a friendship yeah. than mm-hmm. than that's cool. Than a business. That's where it gets special. That's why I love being in this world of business, investing, advising, because with the right, I mean, I'm not going to spend time with, with the groups that I don't feel like I resonate with or with people that I don't resonate with. But when you do spend this time and you help them and they see results and together you're winning, it really forms a really cool friendship and bond that's just so special. And it makes what we do so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have to I have to show my appreciation. Well, but from Steph myself for you because mm-hmm. you've been nothing but generous. You know, w- when something's come up, and I'm like, "Hey, I need advice on this," or do you know someone who knows something about this? And I know how busy you are, and you freely just give us you know introductions without questions. So I, we are really grateful for your friendship too. Well, it's my pleasure. And I've got to say, one of my favorite things in the world is this whole idea around business matchmaking and connecting people that I think need to know each other that should be doing business together or should, even if it's just a simple single transaction, I need this done. I like doing that. But it's even more fun for me when there's uh, something that can live longer and beyond. And and I just, uh, I see it all. I see it so clearly where I just have this clarity around this person needs to meet this person. I don't know the exact details. I just know they need to meet. And I love that. That's really cool. Thank you, brother. Again, <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, you guys have a big event coming up here for the, the content dojo. So talk about that and then tell us where we can find out more about you. Great. So along with the content creation side of things, we really want the dojo to be focused on education and events. And, and that's not specific to athletic performance. You know, we want people to learn about, you know, finance and entrepreneurship and self-development and all these things because that's that's something we've implemented heavy into the philosophy behind Phase 6. So along with the content side of things, we'll be hosting events with ourselves, other industry leaders and brands that we work with. So the next one will, will be in April. I'm not sure of the exact date yet, but that'll be an event that will have Vivo Barefoot there as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be really cool. And then, then there'll be many events throughout the year. People like Roger Gracie will be coming down. He's never done an event in who's a 10-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. He's also considered the greatest of all time by many. And uh, he's never done an event in Austin. Fortunately, wow. we're, good, we're good friends with him. And he's agreed to do a event at some point. He's a very busy man, of course. And so it'll be a mixture of, you know, all these types of people just bringing their expertise and knowledge to to Austin at the Content Dojo. So the, the next big one will be in April. And uh, you can find us at uh, www.phase6online.com. And that's the athletic performance side of things where, you know, you can you can find our programs if you're interested in that or free eBooks or articles we've written. And then if you want to find out more information about the Content Dojo, mm-hmm. it's uh, www.phase6dojo.com. And on there, you can see the request to book sign if you were interested in booking the space out. And we got some really cool people going to shoot content there as well. Like uh, this guy just reached out to us who's a stunt coordinator and fight choreographer for big Marvel and other movies and TV shows on Apple TV and things like that. And what he does, he's building an online platform for stunt performers to learn online, but then also doing seminars as well. That's so cool. Well, and I love it because it doesn't have to be fitness. It can be anything. Like you said, it can be any type of education. It can be any type of filming that you want to do. And I I would just say, take these guys up on their invitation to apply because you're going to get the best lighting that's out there. Everything is going to be set to have your product show better than what it would probably anywhere else. And so if you're wanting for like high quality Great from a sound standpoint, great from a lighting standpoint, you know, check it out. The whole place is actually soundproof too. So we made sure the lighting was perfect so it didn't cast a shadow. So even if a videographer was from the distance of myself and Steph away, you know, only a shoulder width apart, there would never be a a shadow cast on you and things like that. And podcasts could be shot there and everything. It's going to be a really, really cool um, spot to be. And, And it is a creative space. So if anyone is in that creative mindset, it's like a playground in that. There are no rules. (laughs) Next time we'll have to do a podcast episode in your studio. I think that would be fun. 
Guys, this has been just a blast. Jay, Steph, thanks so much for spending the time here. Tell us all about the cool things you're up to, Phase 6, um, Content Dojo, just everything. It's really neat seeing what you've created and, and where it's headed. And I know that you know things are going to get even bigger and better and brighter as the days continue. So I like wrapping up every episode with a question to our audience. It's just a simple question, and it's this. What is one step that you can take today to move forward and move towards financial freedom and living a life that you truly desire, but it's one that's on your terms? It's not a life by default, but rather a life by design. Ooh, I like that. That's <laughs> a good question. That's really cool. Love it. Well, thank you guys so much, and uh, I'll see you probably at the gym tomorrow. Yeah. Yes, get off it. <laughs> See you then. Thank you so much. Take care. See you, brother. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who would benefit from this episode, would you mind sharing it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all resources mentioned, visit www.lifestyleinvestor.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor. This podcast is being made available exclusively to financially sophisticated, high net worth individuals capable of evaluating the merits and risks of investments. The material presented in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice or to recommend the purchase or sale of any security, nor is it intended to be legal, accounting, or tax advice. You should consult with your legal, tax, or financial advisor in connection with any material discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative nor a guarantee of future results. Certain materials discussed on this podcast may have been prepared by third parties, which have been obtained from sources that we believe to be accurate and current. However, we make no representation or warranty as to the accuracy, completeness, or currency of such materials.